Artificial intelligence is here. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Daniel Lopez. This is the AI Education Conversation, where we explore the opportunities, risks, and the impacts of AI across education. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone, what's up? We're in graduation season, a season across the country, across the world of much joy and relief and optimism as we enter the summer and everyone gets to relax, take off the shoes, kick the feet up, and take a much much needed break from this very exhilarating yet taxing school year. I hope over the next few weeks, if you're working in schools, you're doing that hard work of supporting students and you've done that all year, that you take a lot of time for self-care. You've earned it. And, you know, as this also happens, I do think that over the next few weeks, as folks have had the opportunity to catch up on some sleep, watch some TV, catch up on some shows, I think it's a really great opportunity for us to also dip that toe back into learning a little bit. And in particular, into that AI bucket, that AI exploration bucket, to learn a little bit more about how these tools work and opportunities that might come up. Now, with that in mind, a few days ago on Medium, there was an educator named George Dillard who actually published a piece, and I will link this in the show notes as I always do. His piece is titled, AI is coming to my classroom. I have no idea what to do. And on this piece, he essentially presented his two high-level predictions for AI in the classrooms next year. And generally with this ethos of feeling like many teachers may may be feeling overwhelmed right now with AI, even at this point. The first prediction he made was that AI policies will continue to vary significantly between schools and districts, very similar to what it looks like with cell phone policies, right? With some schools being on on the progressive side of this, really embracing the technology, finding ways to use it, And then others being more restrictive, right? Saying, no, you can't use it. Putting outright bans. That makes sense. We've obviously saw initially with some of the big school districts out there, that initial ban. Some others have changed their tune now. Some have allowed schools to use it. So I can very much see that happening even into the fall of next year with there being such a short strategic planning time for so many schools to get around. The second thing he'd mentioned in his article is that he feels like we are going to continue to have complicated, complex conversations around academic honesty, right? Thinking that beyond just like the plagiarism and the fact that assignments may take less time than ever to actually complete, what is it actually that we are expecting our students to do? What is it that we're actually asking them to complete? And he then uses this very interesting analogy, very connected to the marshmallow test, which I think is a very common analogy within the field of education to allude to self-control, but high level, right? The idea that you put a marshmallow in front of someone, you then leave the room and don't don't tell them to eat the marshmallow. It's a good test of self-control if they don't actually eat it, right? But he, in many ways, is describing AI as this marshmallow of like, by us having access to this tool, this marshmallow, and then ultimately saying, well, don't use that, don't touch it. Is that actually something that we can realistically be asking our students to do? So, George has some very, I think, realistic predictions here, very good points that he's bringing up in his article. And really what the reason I bring it up is he's got me thinking. He's got me thinking there's a lot of teachers that even into this summer, even with the few months to, and we've, you know, as across the society, we've all learned a little bit more about how these tools work. 
there's likely going to be a lot of teachers, even going into the next school year, that do feel this way, right? That they're not really sure how to use AI in their classroom or what they should be talking about or how to, you know, just feel comfortable using it. But they may not have a choice in terms of whether or not the tool actually comes into the classroom. So here's here's my response to that, and here's my title for this episode. While George may be saying AI is coming to the classroom and he has no idea what to do, your old friend Daniel here is saying AI is coming to your classroom, and here's five steps you can take. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we do, and before we jump into that, I do want to share a few very interesting updates in the field of Cross of AI. And then we'll jump into my five top five tips that I would recommend any teacher, educator, school leader take to prepare this summer as AI continues to come into our schools. So ChatGPT, you know, I love talking about ChatGPT, such a great thing. And um, I wanted to just share one quick update that I found personally very helpful this week. ChatGPT now has a mobile app. So if you Google OpenAI ChatGPT, or I should say Google, I use that as a verb, but it's not that. If you go to any of your app stores and you search OpenAI ChatGPT, you should find that it now has a mobile app. You can download it. My understanding is off all major app stores. I found it on the Apple store. So that's where I was able to use it on my phone. And I got to say, I really like the app. I really like it because it's really nice sometimes to just bring it with you everywhere you go and have access to a generative AI uh, with you on the road. And in particular, something that's pretty cool uh, with, with the app relative to using it on your desktop is you can copy and paste responses very easily. So if you get a response to a question, you can like hold it, copy it, and then you can like easily paste it and send it in a text, which I actually found very helpful. My wife and I are in the process of planning a baby shower and she had been asking me like, hey, what do you think we should put on this magnet You know, for a quick statement? Realistically, I did not want to sit there and think of some very specific little word cases that we can put on there. So I, I just asked Chat GPT. I whipped out my phone and I was like, hey, what do you think we should put on our baby magnets for our guests? And it gave me like 25 ideas. And when I showed them to my wife, similarly, she was like, I like these ideas. I think a lot of these are great. I think I want to use that one. I'm like, fantastic. So save me from having to sit there and think of a lot of different specific words for a magnet. And now I was able to make my wife happy, take that to her and show her how to use it. So Definitely would recommend the app. I think it's really great, especially again for a lot of those like very small questions that can take some be time suckers. Um, but again, you can just use this to ask it a question and save yourself some time. Another thing that I also found interesting with ChatGPT is they have recently made their web browsing plugin available for everyone in its beta form. So you do have to uh, essentially log into the app. So this is a, when I say application, I do mean on the desktop. I don't know if this works on the cell phone app just yet. I haven't been able to figure that part out, but I will do some more work so that you all don't have to, and we'll dig into it. But if you go onto the desktop application, you go to settings, you have to hit this like on off toggle first where it says browsing to, to essentially activate it. And then what that allows you to do is when you're about to search a question in just a standard prompt at the top, it'll usually say GPT 3.5 or it'll say GPT 4. Usually I always pick GPT 4 just because that's supposed to be the more sophisticated model, but now you can choose whether you want it to be browsing or not. Just as a quick reminder, in case all this sounds a little bit unclear and you're like, what the heck does that mean? Browsing essentially means that the knowledge base that ChatGPT will pull from is the internet versus the model of information that it had. The limitation with the model is that that information is only current up till 2021. 
It doesn't actually include the last two years of information, data, stimuli, right, that the world has experienced on the internet. So that's kind of why browsing features can be very helpful insert uh, for a certain chatbot. So I've never used the browsing feature on ChatGPT. I know that some folks had access to it before. So I wanted to give it a, a, a shot and see what happened. I gotta say, I, I think the experience was pretty interesting. I'm actually gonna share with you all the screenshot of my first ever browsing prompt so you, you all could see what I did. But essentially what I did is I wanted to ask it a very specific prompt related to that would get the most out of the browsing feature to see how that worked. So I ended up asking it, Share the three most interesting stories of AI education this week, just to see what would happen. Now, the first thing I found very interesting is normally when you type in a prompt on ChatGPT, it'll just show you those like three dots, right? It'll show three moving dots to show you it's thinking. When you use the browsing feature, it's actually a little bit different. I kind of appreciate it. It takes a little bit longer to get a response, but along the way, it kind of works a little bit like a Domino's pizza app, where instead of showing you the three little dots, it'll actually show you the different stages as to where it's at in compiling and response. So it'll actually show you, uh, currently it is clicking on new links and exploring different articles. Then it'll say it is reading the articles. Then it'll say it is like compiling responses. So it's kind of showing you the different stages in the process it is going through to actually go through the research on the internet, respond, doing some of that process, doing some of that synthesizing. And then afterwards, it'll actually generate your response in the very same way that it would if it was non-browsing. When my response was generated, the other thing that I found very interesting is it actually showed me a summary of the three stories. So it didn't show me, again, like a full article or, you know, or anything like that. It just showed like three to four sentences of each of the stories. And then what I also found very interesting is it actually included a work cited next to each of those stories. It included kind of those little citations next to it. And if you clicked on each of them, it would take you to the source that it generated. So I thought that was pretty cool. I think there's a lot more work I have to do there to really investigate how good it is. I will say just in my initial response to the actual three articles it gave, I don't know that those three were the most recent. The The second two, I'm not 100%, but essentially the, the three that it gave me, just so that we're all on the same page, it said that the first story is that Khan Academy is using ChatGPT. That happened uh, a, lot, a lot longer ago than three weeks ago. I think that was like three or four weeks ago that that happened. That wasn't just from the last week. So that's where, again, potentially it was, I was a little vague in my uh, prompt. I could have been a little bit more specific, but that's that one didn't interest me too much. The second one, which was about a poll for students using uh, it age 12 to 18, I wasn't sure if that was from the last year. I did find that very interesting though. And then the third was around the fact that uh, chat GPT and the rise of generative AI could lead to a shift in funding from the quote unquote metaverses to AI research. I also found that to be very interesting and something I didn't hear much about. So overall two out of three, I thought were pretty interesting, pretty strong, definitely something that I think would meet my criteria it was only one out of the three that I thought were does. But again, this is in beta form. So overall I found some of the features to be pretty interesting there. The next um, quick update I wanted to share was from the big ChatGPT OpenAI competitor, Google. So we all know Google, Google as we know, has their own uh, chatbot called Bard that has been positioned right now as the big rival to uh, the chat GPT and to uh, Bing as well. Now, the big interest here with Google is that they just had their what's called their IO developer conference last week. And 
Um, I didn't have the opportunity to watch the whole conference, but I was able to read a few show notes. And I overall, it sounded like it was a big hit. And related to AI, there was like two things that I saw that really stood out to me as to why Google may be very well positioned to take up the market share to really be the front runner down the line for AI usage across tools for some of the big major tech companies. The first thing that they mentioned is that large, uh, large language model, Palm, which is the kind of the backend piece that operates how Bard works. They mentioned that it would be getting an upgrade to Palm 2. Uh, Palm 2. I don't know any more specifics than that at this point, but if it's anything like the upgrade that ChatGPT got when it went from 3.5 uh, to GPT-4, hopefully that means we're seeing uh, more quality responses, we're seeing more thoughtful responses, and hopefully very similar to what ChatGPT did, Google will publish some type of white paper to really give us a sense of how well this thing can perform. The second thing that Google mentioned is that they are going to be bringing generative AI search tools to essentially all of their different Google products. So if you're like me and you use Google Sheets all the time, Google Docs, Google Slides, this could actually end up being a huge win for you just because, again, when you talk about the convenience of these tools, if I'm working out of Google Sheets all the time, if I'm working out of you know Google Slides and there's literally a search bar right next to me that I can type in things and then ask it to do it and then just on command, it is doing things such as maybe visually enhancing some of my slides, or maybe I type up three or four bullet point, bullet point ideas, and then I say, hey, I want you to create this kind of uh, info visualization matrix for my ideas, and then it just does it on the spot. That's That may end up being where Google ends up getting a big advantage over some of these other companies is that so many people just use Google products. And if the AI is already plugged in, it could mean that a lot of people are just going to use them just because they're right in their face, even if you do prefer another one. So I think that could end up being a pretty big uh, game changer for efficiency and just for usability for a lot of folks, given, you know, again, so many folks I know use Google products. So I wanted to just share those updates. I think there continues to be a lot of good momentum towards the development of AI tools, towards trying to make these tools plug into things that we use all the time and really make them quality. So that being said, I want to transition us to our big topic today. AI is coming to your classroom, to your school. It's probably already there, but it will definitely be there by next year and if it's not. And rather than us saying, I don't know what to do, I got your back, I got some tips for you, here's what you should do. So I'm going to give you my top five tips if I was a teacher, if I was an educator, if I was a school leader in a school and I essentially had the summer season to plan for this, what would I do? How would I approach this uh, given that? So step number one, probably the most obvious one as teachers, we're very used to doing this in a lot of our classes as well when we think of very uh, thoughtful exploratory models, but the, the step one's very easy. Play around with it. Play around with the tools and just ask it questions, ask it to do stuff and just explore, right? Explore. I don't care if you're using ChatGPT. I don't care if you're using Bard. I don't care if you're using Bing. You can also be uh, really adventurous if you'd like and use tools that I haven't even had the chance to use yet, such as Hugging Face, such as Claude. Use whatever you want. But one of the best things you can genuinely do is spend five minutes, create an account, download the ChatGPT app, like I just mentioned, and just ask it questions. Ask it questions related to things you're genuinely curious about and things that you would know the answer to, just to see how, just to kind of prove for yourself that it actually does know some things. Then ask it to do it things in funny voices. Then ask it to do things 
related to your specific content areas, right? If you're a science teacher, ask it science questions. If you're a history teacher, ask it history questions. If you are passionate about a particular topic, ask it about those things. Once you feel like you have an understanding and a grasp there of how it might respond to some things, then go deeper. Ask it exploratory questions to deepen your own understanding and practice on topics, directions you may want to explore. So what I mean by that is, let's say uh, one, one very uh, helpful use case I found for ChatGPT in particular, which is the one I find myself using most often, is I've asked it to summarize oftentimes a lot of books for me. So what I'll ask it to do is if there's a book that I'm very interested in reading and haven't had the opportunity to read yet. So, you know, something along the lines of, hey, uh, Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist, which is a, a fictional book, one of my favorite books. So I'm generally going to know what that book's about. I'm saying, hey, can you write me a summary uh, for that book? Help me learn a little bit more about that book. If there's some books out there that you haven't read yet that you're curious about, maybe you have a selection of 10 different books that you're interested in purchasing. Ask it to write summaries for all 10 of those books and then read those summaries. And then that may actually help you decide which of those 10 you actually want to buy. Right? So there's a lot of ways that you can even expand your own learning, deepen your own understanding based on the things that these large language do, mo models do well. One of the things I think it does very well is its summary. It, it summarizes information and it compartmentalizes it very well. You can ask it, as I mentioned, to continue to deepen your own understanding on specific topics, deepen your understanding. I think that all works pretty well there. Let's say that going into next year, you want to try teaching something in a new way. Let's say you want to revamp how you're doing a specific unit. Let's say you want to do a new interdisciplinary project or a capstone. Use the favorite, use your favorite chatbot as a thought partner to do so. So you can even say, hey, I'm, I'm really interested in doing a project on balancing chemical equations, and I want to be able to do this with an English class. I want you to recommend five ways that I can do a science project on balancing chemical equations with an English uh, class. And just let it talk to you and get, let it give you some ideas. Thought partner with it. Then continue to ask more. If, if those five ideas suck, you're like, I don't like any of these ideas. Say, hey, I want five more ideas, but I want you to include these things. I want you to take away these things. Here's what I don't like about your response. Here's what I would like you to include. And as you continue to give it feedback, it's going to do more and more to try to like work closer to what you do. And, and what this is doing for us is it's saving us some of that precious brain power, some of that thought power, so that rather than making all these decisions or having to do the research, we just have to be really good at asking questions and giving feedback, which as teachers, we're very good at that. If you're still trying to think about the best ways to do this, what I would also recommend is, again, you can even search a lot of uh, responses out there for some of the best prompts. Over the next few episodes, I'm going to continue to share some of the prompts that I found to be some of the most interesting ones. But here's high level. I did just want to share some of the roles of a chatbot that I think I would encourage you to leaning into as thus far. So you can use these chatbots as a summarizer, as I've already mentioned. You can also use them as a coach. You can use them to do role plays. You can use them as a consultant. You can use them as a thought partner. You can also use them as an evaluator, right? So thinking about all those different roles, then you can think about different questions, different objectives or different tasks. You can ask these uh, chatbots based on some of the things that will make your life easier. Fundamentally, if you have a question and if there is a question or a task that somebody could do for you or something could do for you to make your life easier, try asking it to your favorite chatbot and see what kind of response it gives you. Explore, have fun. That is my first recommendation to anyone getting ready for next year. The second one, 
I want you to identify one to two growth opportunities in your class, in your school, either of those domains that you'd love to focus on going into next year. So I, I, as much as possible, try to be specific. So if there is a specific lesson that you really didn't like, if there was a specific unit that you think needs some work, if you have a goal to revamp the classroom experience for your students, you're like, I really want to uh, change how I do behavior management in my classroom. I want to change the way that I do opening warm-up activities for my students in the classroom. Try to come up with one to two growth opportunities that you'd really like to focus on going into next year. You don't have to overkill it, just one to two. Could be something that you did this year that you're interested in totally revamping. Could, be, could also be something that you're looking to evaluate. Or it could just be a new idea, something totally new that you want to bring in, that you want to add into. Rather than the steps you would normally take after answering that question, so if you've decided, yes, my plan is to revamp this unit going into next year. And then normally at that point, what I might do is hop onto the internet, maybe go on to teachers, pay teachers or some of these sites and find a lot of resources that I could use to do it. Now, before you do that, the first thing I want you to do, go back to your favorite chatbot, ChatGPT, Bing, Bard, whichever you like. And I want you to start asking questions related to that specific lesson, right? You could ask it specific um, questions to explore an answer. So if it is it is a the type of if the type of growth opportunity that you see is very much related to a content, you could say, "Hey, I'm can you give me five ideas on how I can better improve ABC for your class?" That being said, if you already have some ideas, another thing that you could also do is you can even ask the uh, chatbot to give you some evaluation on your latest and best thinking. So rather than just asking a, a, a what question of what should I do, you could say, hey, these are my five ideas as to how I can bring this specific project process or assignment into my class. What is your, what, what is your reaction to this? Can you evaluate this and give me uh, some additional questions to consider as to how I can ensure that this brings strong engagements for my student or it ensures that they've learned this well or any of the, obje the goals that you are ultimately setting for that assignment? You can ask it to do that. So it can serve as kind of a, a consultant for the projects, the assignments that you have. You could, and, and if you're not even that far, you're like, actually, I, you know, I have some, I, maybe this is a little bit more complicated than an individual assignment. I actually want to design this whole new process for my school. I want to design this whole new process for my classroom. Ask ChatGPT to help or ask your favorite chatbot to help. You could even say, hey, I'm interested in creating a new uh, bell schedule for my school. Can you help me design a process to think about the best way to do that, that ensures that I meet all of the equitable needs of the many stakeholders that exist in a school? And you can see what, how it responds and you can continue to ask it probing questions until it helps you to design a process that you feel really good about that will ultimately help you to get to the product that you want to do. So you can also, again, ask it for support with the process itself, not just for the answers directly. So that is my recommendation for step number two. Step number three, now that you've had an opportunity to play around with the chatbot tools, you've had the, the opportunity even to even think a little bit more concretely of one to two pain points or growth opportunities you have in your classroom and in your school. The next thing I would really recommend is I do think this is a good opportunity to even just sit down and say with what I've learned, what right now is my current uh, reflection on what extent I find it appropriate for these AI tools to be in my classroom. 
right? And I think one of the best ways to actually go about doing it is to answer that question first because it may change over time, but I think it's helpful to know with everything you've learned right now where your head is at, right? So based on everything I've learned playing around with this, I believe that students should be able to use ChatGPT or I find it appropriate for myself to use it in the class in ChatGPT in ABC ways. I don't feel like it's really appropriate for DEF ways, right? And, and you're able to kind of in your head a little bit start to think of where it makes sense, what your best thinking is as of today based on what you've been able to learn. I The reason I would recommend this is for two reasons. Number one, I actually think that having a response there could actually serve as a really great conversation starter with some of your colleagues, your some of your coworkers, if you're able to reconnect with them this summer. You can even have conversations and saying, hey, I've played around with these tools. This is what I think uh, it, it may do well or where it may be appropriate. This is where I'm concerned about. The second thing, and this is kind of maybe the most ambitious thing, that your response to that question could actually even potentially be a foundation and outline for an AI policy that you might bring into your syllabi next year so that your students are very clear as to where they can use AI tools and where you don't find it appropriate. Kids are kids. They may have, they may find ways to skirt around it, but at least you've made a declaration and you've said, this is where we find it appropriate and where we don't. If you don't have any kind of policy, you can't really be mad at them for using the tools in any way, especially if it's a way that you don't like because you never told them how to use it. So you need to have a policy to a certain extent. You always have to make things explicit for students or else like they're they're going to do what they want to do, right? If you're a school leader, you could this same activity could also help you create a policy for the entire school. Ways that you find it appropriate that we as a school use it versus we don't really condone it based on its usage. Knowing a bit better what this tool might do well now, you can also, another helpful question you can also think about is regardless of my policy and to what extent I think, you can also start to think very tactically. What type of tasks do I actually think using this tool could actually help me with? What about my students? What type of tasks do I think it could help my students take off with? I think the, the nice thing about answering that question now, being able to say, well, doing this, I actually really think I can use ChatGPT every single day of the week to create warm-up activities for my school. So if I have a 50-minute class period, I'm an ELA teacher, and th the first 15 minutes I may want to use uh, a unique question for a quick write prompt or something like that, I can use ChatGPT every single day. And what that does is it opens up more time for me to think about other things. Maybe I use it to design an exit ticket for a specific activity. So it's always going to be designing my exit tickets for the rest of the school year whatever those types of things are. So by answering that question of what is it going to be able to take off of your plate or the plate of your students, you can now uh, open up probably even a more exciting question, which is what types of conversations, questions, or projects does it open up for you during the instructional hour, during the school year to cover? Things that you may not have been able to do before, but you have been wanting to do. You're like, oh, I'd love to do this project on career exploration, within a sports management field for students, but I've never been able to do this just because we don't have any time. Maybe you do have time now. Maybe you actually do, right? So you can start to dream a little bit now too. Remind yourself some of those projects you really believe are important for students and our young people to know. This could be an opportunity to try to bring some of those things in because of the ways chatbots might help to take off some of those more mundane tasks for us. Number four, we got to set goals. We're teachers, we're educators, we're school leaders. You know, we got to set goals, right? So going into the new year, you potentially got an AI policy for your syllabi. If you were doing the earlier task, you also potentially have some 
very concrete ways that you might want to uh, approach AI this year. Now, what I would also encourage you to do is I would encourage you to really try to set those and frame those as specific goals, right? So what I mean by that is with your two tasks in particular, those two growth points, I would recommend setting one to two goals. Now, here's my personal uh, recommendation. I would recommend if you're setting two goals, set one of them specific to you. So my goal over the course of this year is to use ChatGPT at least 10 times in the first month to write a quick write. I want to use ChatGPT 10 times to generate my quick write prompts for my students. Just try to set yourself to the one thing. You don't have to do all the things. You don't all of a sudden have to go from someone that hates using tech or doesn't use a bunch of tech to now doing all of the things related to AI. Just make it one thing. Get yourself comfortable with just doing one thing. My recommendation for the second goal is try to set a second goal for something specific to students. It'd be nice for the students also to have an experience using this. Ultimately, as educators, we want to set up our students to be successful in the world they're going to inherit, right? I think fundamentally, that's what we, I, I, you know, I would imagine most, if not all, educators agree. We want our young people to be prepared for the world they're going to be going into. So regardless of my personal opinions on AI, if I want to use it every day or not, I think I should at least be fair to my students and at least try to find one opportunity I can to allow them to interact with AI in some way. Now, my comfort level may vary a lot. Maybe I'm not comfortable with them using it on all their assignments over the course of the whole year. I get that. That's fair, right? There's other skills there. But what if my goal is I'm going to select one assignment in the first unit of the year, that first six weeks, and my goal is going to be to find one assignment that we can, I can encourage students to use a chatbot for within the school. Maybe your school ends up banning uh, AI products into the next year. Okay, well, maybe there's another way to do it. Maybe then we're doing an assignment where I pull up a YouTube video. We watch a YouTube video related to AI, and I allow them to share their reactions, and we have a conversation related to it. Maybe that's another way that we can do it. But I do think we owe it to our students, our young people, so that they get to have the same types of conversations we get to have. They should also get to, to be able to talk about AI and how they think it's going to impact their experience going through the rest of their educational experience. And again, you're going to have to differentiate this conversation a little bit between high schoolers, middle schoolers, and even uh, elementary school students. But there's a way to do it, right? We're educators. We're, we're masters of adaptability. I have no doubt that you'll be able to do it. And again, if you don't know, ask ChatGPT how to do it. That's the beauty of, of all of this is you can ask those questions and not have to think about this by yourself. You can even say, hey, I want to do a lesson teaching my students about AI. I have third graders. Give me five ideas of how I can do this. Let it do the thinking for you. Step number five, the last step, be kind to yourself. Be kind. You work so hard. Educators, as you know, working in schools, I truly think it's the Lord's work. I think to be able to do this means you really love people. You really care about the future of our society. You care about our students. You believe in relationships with people. You don't have to be an AI guru by the end of the summer. Okay. One of the superpowers that we as educators have is that we love to learn and we have an insatiable curiosity. And over time, we consistently, consistently, consistently learn every single day. And we do it because we love to learn, not because we're going to make a bunch of money tomorrow if we learn. We do it because it's important and we like to grow. We like to see growth. We like to learn new things. It's also, though, tough to remember. And I know that and I acknowledge that I'm talking to an education community that is really tired from the end of a rough school year and an exhilarating school year and your brain's tired. So the first thing you should do over the next couple of weeks is do absolutely nothing. You should rest, you should watch TV, you should go on vacation, 
You should spend time with your family. You should grill. You should do any of those things that is going to bring you joy and get your brain back to where it needs to be. And then be kind to yourself. Again, just have fun. Learning should be fun. Learning should be fun. Okay, learning should be fun. Go on ChatGPT. Ask it casual questions in between barbecues. Ask it. It doesn't even have to be related to your content as we've described. Ask it those things. Okay. And my hope is that as you start to recharge, as you start to get your body and your brain back here, and you start to dip your toe in this, my hope is that you're going to start to see all of the possibilities that AI actually has to be able to save your decision-making power for those decisions that matter most next year. And that AI is going to be able to clear up those mundane brain power killers that we have to deal with so much so that you can do what you do best, which is to connect with young people and you find really innovative, unique, cool ways to create life-changing experiences for them. That is my hope. I got a quick bonus step for you. As a quick bonus step, I will link this as well in our show notes and our podcast, wherever you get this. My bonus step, if you are in schools and you want to be able to teach the uh, teach young people about AI, have conversations with them about what it is, how it works, and that experience, the AI Education Project, they have a phenomenal free curriculum. We've been able to talk with their CEO. He's really awesome. His heart's in it for the right reasons. I'm going to link that in here. The lessons are free, right? You can pull one of those mini lessons, use it one time next year, make it your goal. Uh, over four times over the next year, once per quarter, my goal is going to be to take an AI education project uh, lesson and to implement it into my curriculum so that my students and I can have a conversation about AI and their experience. All right. That's all the steps I have for you. I hope that these steps were really meaningful and helpful for you. I want to hear from you all. I don't have all the answers. I'm just sharing what I know. So what is one step you would recommend for somebody who wants to dip their, their toe into the AI water and make sure that they are ready to go next year and feel more comfortable talking about AI and its role in their classroom next year? What's one step you would recommend? Share with me on our Twitter, the AI Ed Convo. Share with me on LinkedIn or wherever else that you uh, we can continue to connect. Teachers, school leaders, congratulations on completing a next, another year. I will see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the AI Education Conversation. Give a follow, rate, and review wherever you listen. For all show notes and to share your thoughts on today's episode, check out the AI Ed Convo on Twitter. See you next time.